Are you sitting quite comfortably? Then I'll begin. Hey, kids, comics! Comic books. An art form early alive. We can rebuild them. We have the technology. With digital downloads and bookstore penetration, which sounds a bit rude, we can make them better than they were before. Better, stronger, faster. Your host Andrew and Michael Leyland. Hello, everybody, and hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to the annual Hey Kids Comics celebration. Woot! The only thing you can depend upon in this undependable year is it really? I think we're up there. We don't have much competition this we year. We don't have a lot of competition this year when everything has had to go on standby. Exactly. Because of the dreaded global pandemic that you may know about <laughs> if you've, you know, looked outside your window. Unless you live in New Zealand. In which were they got rid of it? Yeah. <laughs> well done, New Zealand! <laughs> Woo! We applaud New Zealand. I'm Michael... No, I'm not. <laughs> no. <laughs> You're Michael Leland. And I'm Andrew Leland. Yes. And we are back. Uh, you know, it's a year since we did... And the last we, month. We've, we've had no Christmas special. That's Summer how special. annual works. Usually. Well, again, as you may or may not know, depending on where you live, the uh, the global pandemic has meant we have not been able to actually yeah. get together that much. And, you know, you can always do it over Skype, but Skype, shit. Mm. I'd rather do it like we always did it, which is face-to-face and professional. <laughs> well. Well. <laughs> Face to face, anyway. Hello, lovely listener. Hello. How are you? It's been a while. Are you doing okay? We feel for you. We really do. We are back with our annual Christmas tradition at this point of just going through the shit that we got for Christmas and gabbing about the year in comics, such as it has been, given that there was a three-month gap this year where nothing was published. Mm -hmm. So that was quite interesting. And obviously there have been no comic book movies to speak of. Black Widow no. is still waiting to be released. Sonic the Hedgehog is the most successful superhero yes, film of the of year. of the year, yeah. Uh, is that the only one of the year? Yes. It is really, isn't it? Yeah. Wonder Woman 1984, as we record this, has been out three days. No, it came out... Did it come out on the 16th? I don't know. So it's been out ten days. But it came out the day before... London went back into tier four lockdown. Yeah. So every single cinema was shut. So I would imagine it has not performed particularly well. So far. At the box office. But in America, it's just going straight to HBO Max. Yeah. Because Warner Brothers have clearly decided to sacrifice it on the altar of the godlike streaming service. Because they've looked at Disney Plus's money Mm. and gone, I want a piece of that. In that very accent. Disney Plus's bizarre choice to charge $30 to watch a remake. Well, see, see, this is the thing, isn't it? A lot of the stuff that should have gone to cinema has been dithering and dithering and sitting on the shelf, gathering dust. And I get why they want a return on their investment. As Wonder Woman had six release dates at this point, 
It should have come out when the Rise of Skywalker came out. And let's just pause for a minute and say, Jesus Christ, has it only been a year <laughs> since that cinematic Marvel? Um, so I can understand why people have gone, look, we've had six release dates for this now. Mm. You've got a streaming service. Kick it out. Yeah. And fair play to them for not going the Disney route of charging extra to mm. put it out onto the streaming service. They've just put it out onto HBO Max. But I can't help but think that that's a little bit short-sighted on Warner Brothers' part to then announce that every single cinematic release for 2021 is going to be on HBO Max. Because what does that mean, A, for cinemas, in terms of job losses and, and all of that stuff? I get nobody wants to go to the cinema at the minute. It's a pandemic. Yeah. But at some point, this will be over. Well, I think that's the problem. I, I don't see any issue with them putting things on streaming services. Because people like to go to the cinema. Like, how many times have they done a re-release of something in the cinema or something we have on DVD? And you'll go, because you like going to the cinema. And a lot of indie cinemas have been surviving. You and I talked about this just the other day, by releasing old films. From Russia with Love was on at a cinema in London on Christmas Eve. In London, sorry, in Liverpool. Hmm. And under normal circumstances, I would have gone watching it. Because I have never seen a Connery Bond on the big screen. Yeah. But is that enough to keep the indies in business? I think for the time being, uh, obviously we've seen how important it is to support independent places because they have been going under quite easily while your big yes. places are still open. Um, and yeah. all it takes is a few months and the like of not having any income when these places shut down. But So I think it's good for them to keep doing this. But at the same time, I don't think cinemas have to be concerned about anything. Mm. As soon as everything starts being fine, people like going to the cinemas. They do. But if you've already announced that your entire cinematic slate for next year is going straight to streaming, what's the impetus for people to go to the cinema? It will not matter. You'll be able to watch it on, on, on streaming. But yeah, just people like Because where do you want to watch Denis Villeneuve's Dune? At the cinema. Exactly. Where did I want to watch the new Blade Runner? At the cinema. Yep. But then at the same time, you've got that kind of comfort of thinking like, oh, I can just watch it on streaming as well. People will still choose to go to the cinema over streaming, but then streaming is this nice thing to have as well. Hmm. I, I, I don't know. I guess it's kind of like digital comics. Hmm. People like reading comics, but it's just easy to have them all on your phone or whatever, isn't it? But as it, doesn't, it doesn't mean that print has died out. No. And as evinced by the number of comics I have bought again digitally yeah. for the convenience of being able to just have them on so, my phone. I, I don't really understand why like you've got big directors all... Christopher Nolan, Denis Villeneuve. Yeah, who are all... Edgar, has Edgar Wright said anything about it? I'm not sure. I thought Edgar Wright had said something. I know Patty Jenkins has kind of hedged her bets, mm. but then it was revealed that her and Gal Gadot had been paid $10 million to say, we're fine with Wonder Woman being released on HBO Max. So that kind of puts a pall over anything they may have to say. Now, obviously, yeah. if they wanted to pay me $10 million to shill for HBO Max, I would say, how long, how loud? Mm. But I don't get paid $10 million to appear in a film at the same time. So, you know, Patty Jenkins' opinion may be slightly coloured somewhat. Chris Nolan received a lot of flack from people. Uh, Chris Nolan, uh, from where I'm sitting, kind of deserves a bit of the flack. Here he is up in arms about his films going to streaming services. The same man who forced Tenet into cinemas during said global pandemic after screening it in Fortnite, the children's video game. (laughs) 
See, I'd forgotten so, that he did that. Sorry, Chris. Like, <laughs> if you want to show your film in Fortnite, you can put it on the streaming service. Yeah. And it's not like Tenet set the box office alight because he released it, as you say, in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, I, you know, I, I know I've got no interest on it, but I certainly don't think it's all worth the fuss because in another couple of years, are we going to remember Tenet? Probably not. <laughs> it's, it does not seem to be one of Chris Nolan's more memorable movies, even by the people that saw it and liked it. Yeah. They liked it largely because they didn't understand the goddamn word of it. It's, it, I guess it's kind of like Scorsese with The Irishman as well, because there was a bit of debate about that, whether it should have been a Netflix thing. But he chose to make it a Netflix thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it, it didn't harm the film at all. It didn't like harm Arguably more people saw it. Exactly. So to have films be in the cinema and your streaming services, more people are going to be able to watch it. Mm. People who you know don't want to get out, can't get out, you got it on your streaming service. People who like films, they like the big picture. It's... I think it's the best thing to do, to what? do both Simultaneous release. I don't understand any problems with it. It's it's better for the films. Right. Well, that's where the, the state of cinema. Yeah. And I can honestly say, I don't think I've been in a cinema this year. The last thing I watched was Sonic the Hedgehog. I think the last thing I watched was Rise of Skywalker, which I'd completely <laughs> forgotten about. Because I was like, the last thing I saw was Spider-Man. And some day, I think it was Ryan said to me, so did you not see the Rise of Skywalker in cinema? Yeah. Because it it's constantly baffling to me that that film is only a year old. Now, is that does that say something about the year? Or that the film was not great? <laughs> I don't know. But anyway... That's the state of cinema. Did Oh, you know what we should discuss? What we've not discussed? Certainly oh. not online. Disney announced at their shareholders meeting where they announced their shareholding money was somewhere in the four billion range, yet they've still let all their staff go because they're greedy money-grabbing bastards. <laughs> announced that... What's that? The evil faceless corporation is a Is a money-grabbing bastard? Who'd have thunk it? But they announced loads of Star Wars shows which have little to no interest in apart from... Ironically, the Patty Jenkins one and Obi Wan. I actually like. I'm quite excited for all of the, what they announced for Star Wars, especially really? especially the visions because I like anthology stuff. But yeah, I'm dead interested. I, I in it. I'll probably. I don't care about the Bad Batch. Clone Wars is done. I no. I, I I'm quite looking forward to Bad Batch because even though I'm still working through Clone Wars, mm. and man, it's a slog. Some of it is, not all of it. You know, I I like the potential to have a mature Clone Wars show. Because you can do that. Why yeah. not? Why not have a HBO Band of Brothers Clone Wars show? So is that what the Bad Batch is going to be? I, th- I think it's leaning that way. Because right, yeah. I don't know anything about it. I have got no interest in a Cassian Andor show. No, me neither. It's like Rogue One. All those characters were created to die. Yeah, I don't and, give a shit. And I just, I just like being in the world of Star Wars. For as much as I don't like the Rise of Skywalker, I enjoyed being in Star mm. Wars. So I just like the idea of all of these TV shows that have absolutely no connection to a Skywalker. Uh, you say that. They have no connection yet. Well, because <laughs> apparently that's how we go. Yes, because apparently the Mandalorian decided Spoilers. that it had to be part of the Skywalker saga as well. Which I've said to you, as much as I enjoy the Mandalorian, I like the Mandalorian as a as a love letter to Westerns and mm. Japanese cinema. I don't think it need, every episode needed to be a backdoor pilot for all of the ten shows they've just announced. Which, yeah, in <laughs> retrospect, that's what it's ended up being, hasn't it? Yeah. But anyway, what we haven't discussed is the Marvel slate... 
Now, a couple of these were already announced and got delayed because of the pandemic. So, one division was not supposed to be the first one to come out. Mm. I understand that the first one to come out should have been the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah. But the filming on one division was finished before Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah. And they had to bail out because of COVID. Mm. So one division is going to be the first one to launch. Yeah. I am very interested. I think you know what I think it is when I think about it. Star Wars was special. Star Wars was every three years, mm. and all you had in between was comics and a couple of novels here and there. But the special was going to the cinema every three years. Whereas with Marvel, it was everywhere. And there yeah. were different corners to the Marvel Universe that you could pop your head in. If you wanted to go into outer space, you had ROM or the Guardians of the Galaxy. If you wanted to go to New York and hang around with the dirty and the gritty, you had Daredevil and Spider-Man. If you wanted yep. to explore in the negative zone, you had the Fantastic Four. So there was always lots of different pockets of the Marvel Universe that you could explore. Mm. So I think that's why I'm more interested in the Marvel announcements than, than the Star Wars well, announcements. I'm more interested in Star Wars because, like you just said, it, it, it was just Star Wars, the films. And, you know, maybe we, we've had a lot of them recently. Well, we've not had a lot of them, but the the, the five but, that we had was of varying quality. Um, we don't have those different pockets of the Star Wars universe. No. Until we had Solo, which I thoroughly enjoyed. And I... Rogue One, despite I'm not a huge fan of it, it's still a different part of Star Wars. It's got the seen. last best hour of any of the, the Disney movies. What's this? Rogue One. Rogue... Okay. Just that flat out attack. Yeah. Is really good. And then, so just all of these different TV shows coming out now allow you to be in the Star Wars world, but in different parts of it. Yeah. And so that's why I'm looking forward to these shows, just to show us more of Star Wars that we've never really seen that much of. Yeah. Well, WandaVision looks like it's going to be sitcom-y. WandaVision, so this is the one I'm looking forward to the most. I'm looking forward to this one But the most. not because I have any interest in the characters, just because when we saw the last trailer that came out and just how like kind of experimentally meta Weird. it's yeah. gonna get the first episode was filmed in black and white in front, in front of, of a live audience. studio audience yeah I, I love stuff like that <laughs> i don't i don't care much i might not care much for the story i don't care much for the characters but i'm liking i'm interested in how they're making it hmm. or what they're doing with it yeah so the falcon and the winter soldier we don't actually know anything about other than it's the falcon and the winter soldier yeah presumably getting the gay off well, yeah if we can, if we, if the memes are to be believed, <laughs> robot fisting. Yes, the Loki series sounds interesting because it sounds like Loki bouncing around in time and space. Oh, because he, yeah, he's alive. Because he was him. dead, but then he's disappeared from the timeline in Infinity War yeah, yeah, or yeah. Endgame, Endgame, whichever one it was. So now the Loki that's displaced in time is not the one that has gone through Thor Ragnarok yeah. and. All of that stuff. So he's still back to being his old trickster. Mm. So that sounds like it can be fun. And what I like about all these movies is they've all got the film actors back to do it. Because it's like a six or eight episode TV show. So yeah. you would not get these guys through a 22 episode TV show for five years. Yeah. But eight episodes, yeah, we'll squeeze that in between well, films. I think I said to you, like, I think, I think they should just wrap the films up now. Like, not... Because I, I I want rid of them, but because they've done this big story, hmm. they're not going to top that. Um, what's the point in really carrying on with the films? But then if you've got these TV shows, and you're just doing loads of different experimental stuff with the actors and that, hmm. and just keep doing them. Yeah, that does sound like quite interesting. What if it's animated? Yes. So that actually has Chadwick Boseman in it. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. And 
Peggy Carter's back. Yeah, as, as Captain America. As, well, Captain Britain, isn't she? Yes, that's it. Doesn't yeah. she get the super soldier serum instead of Steve Rogers? Isn't yeah. that the premise? Which I am so down for. And they're doing Marvel zombies as well. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not bothered about that. Um, Hawkeye is actually based on the Matt Fraction Hawkeye comics. Okay, so yeah. again, the question for that is, is that set in the five-year snap timeline Could where be, he's yeah. got no family? I suppose the better question, if it is based on the Matt Fraction run, is it going to be two years before the last episode comes out? Is it going to be two years before the last issue comes out and then be incredibly disappointing because clearly Matt Fraction doesn't want to do this anymore, <laughs> despite what he said in the letters page about doing this for 30 years. Yeah. He's now got his own career, doing his own books. He's like, I can't be asked this marvel now shit. a famous image yeah. writer. <laughs> so I can't be bothered. So do you think that'll happen with the TV show? <laughs> Imitates it, life. It, it'll be faithful if they if they do don't go that way. <laughs> if, the, if it just ends, right, we have to wait four years now for the next episode. Sorry about that. Bye. Uh, Ms. Marvel, I don't know anything about. It's Kamala Khan, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. It's the Kamala Khan, Ms. Marvel. I don't know anything about the show or what it's going to be like. Mm. All I know is on Disney Plus, they had um, that Marvel 616 series. Yeah. Which some episodes of which were delightful. The the Spider Man one. The Japanese great, Spider Man yeah. one was great. The I liked the cosplayer one. Mm. I thought that was quite charming. I've, I've not seen any of the others just because I had a flick through and we talked to the cosplayers like I've got no interest in any of this. <laughs> but the last episode is really sweet. Because mm. the last episode follows the it's basically a narrative and it follows this high school in Florida. Mm. And all the kids are like no-hopers who come from broken homes, who find their calling in the drama class. Of course. And it's actually really cute. And they put on a Ms. Marvel play. Marvel has written these stories as plays that schools and colleges can put on. All right, okay. So they are actually written as plays. They didn't adapt the comic or anything. Yeah. So the teacher, knowing that the Marvel movies were incredibly successful with their age range of kids... Mm very sensibly said right we're going to put on a marvel play and they did ms marvel and squirrel girl Mm. and they were really charming the girl that they cast as ms marvel was like i see an awful lot of myself in her yeah and this is really a good role and you see them all developing as they get into the part it Mm. was really good it was really quite sweet so that's all i know about ms marvel Okay. What I saw in that Disney Six One Six documentary, but it looks it looks adorable. Yeah. I can see how she has picked up an audience with people who are in that age group, who mm. are in fourteen, fifteen years of age. Yeah. And the she's same with Squirrel Girl. The main character in the recent Marvel game, sure? which has been a monumental flop from what I've seen. Is it? But one of the the big thing I've seen about it and how it's praised is it's about her and how she sees the Avengers and why it's mm. important for her to have heroes together in that. So maybe it'll be similar to that. Yeah, possibly. It looked quite charming and and interesting. And I'm sure there's been some Twitter storm bullshit about some of the casting that I saw. Oh, of course there is. But I don't know what it was and I don't care because it's Twitter <laughs> and they can fuck off. They were probably mourning that the character cast had a different colour hair and you're not allowed <laughs> to have a different colour hair anymore because, you know acting doesn't allow for you to change your appearance or indeed play somebody that isn't you or you know depend on it yeah or act <laughs> yeah yeah so apparently we're not allowed to do that anymore anyway should we go should we go to our presents snark over yes my first one is from adam adam bought me two presents this year uh he never appears on the show but he kind of should do on occasion and he bought me miles morales spider-man on the ps4 
which was Christmas update. Tell 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 the world. Embarrass your father. Oh uh, yeah, just so like. <laughs> Adam comes down. I've, I've not, I've not, un, I've not wrapped it. So I'm just gonna, just gonna install it while Dad's in the shower, and then I'm just gonna tell him it's a free Christmas update. So he sits there and he's like, "Oh, I've been in touch with Insomniac, the developers of the game, and they've, they've got in touch and they said, oh, we'll do a Christmas update just for you.'" And Dad's prootling about on his phone, clearly not listening, just going, <laughs> "Ooh, okay, all right, I'll give that a try." Oh, I get to play as Miles Morales. This is quite a lot for an update. Dad, have you really not caught on? I had totally caught on and I was playing along just so you two felt good. <laughs> sure. <laughs> it is an exceptionally good update. <laughs> I'm like 13% into it. It's there's, like it's a full game. There's a lot of content in it for it's, a free it's update. It's amazing, isn't it? I was very impressed with that for a free Christmas <laughs> update. But the thing is as well, because it's set at Christmas, I totally bought into what he was saying. I thought they'd give you a free thing for Christmas. What an idiot. <laughs> but anyway, the main present that he bought me, well, he bought me car. Yes. From Knight Rider, Knight Automated Roving Robot. Not for the those actual of you. car. No, no, he didn't actually buy me a, a 1986 Pontiac Trans Am done up to look like car. Because last week he bought me kit, which is over there. Ah, on okay. the shelf. And this year he bought me car. And it doesn't speak, which is a shame. You'd think it would have an automated I am car. You are an inferior prototype. Maybe is it not just on like that mode where it only says things because it's on the shelf and then you take it out of the box? Well it may do, you never know. But when you close the door, it does it does do the woo-woo but with the yellow light, not the red one. Okay. Because you know, car is not kit. And he's got that grey thing on the side. Is that the only difference between them? He's just got yes. that grey. Yes, and the, the grey bit at the bottom is only in the rematch episode, Kit versus Car. Oh, okay. Which, as you may guess from the title, is an episode where Car returns and faces <laughs> off against Kit. Much in the same way they did in the first episode. How do cars fight? They just drive at each other. <laughs> Basically, that's what they do. It's just a destruction die. Yes, despite the fact that Kit completely destroyed Car, as in it blew up yeah. in the first episode, he manages to pull himself together so completely and utterly for the sequel episode that he just drives out of the beach. Okay. And he's, he's fine. But anyway, <laughs> such a good episode. I am the night automated roving robot. Anyway, what did you get? You got loads of shit, but none of it from me. Uh, I got some stuff. Uh, so, I got... This one's from you. Well, technically it's from your brother and sister, but yeah, it's from me. If if the ra- if I'm believing the rapping, it was from them. Yeah. Uh, so, it's uh, kind of similar to what you got me last year, the, the Star Wars mm. seven-inch singles. Only this time, it's a 12-inch picture disc of uh, bits from the Mandalorian soundtrack. Mm. Um so I don't know what's on the back. Probably Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda. Well, yeah, it's a picture disc. On the front, it is the Mandalorian's helmet. It's not got the big mark in it where he's beaten to death by the Death Trooper. It's not. Which is a um, shame. If we're going off the picture that's on the back, then it's of him and little Baby Yoda and his little orb thing. Doo-doo. I love Baby Yoda. I would I would die Doo-doo. for Baby Yoda. I would give him all the blue macaroons bum, he could eat bum, and then sick bum. out everywhere. I love the Mandalorian score. Bum, I, yeah. Bum, bum. I really like how kind of subtle and reserved it is at times. And it does sound like it's going to burst into Rocky at any minute. (laughs) It sounds like it should be da 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 da
that it isn't. <laughs> to not actually break copyright infringement. That was a last minute thing. Honestly, mm. we were just in Asda and I saw it and thought, he'd love that. And I bet he doesn't know it exists because he doesn't go to Asda. I did not know. Asda seem to be doing some pretty They do all the stuff, Doctor yeah. Who ones. Right, okay. It's like they have a deal with Big Finish and they do limited edition Doctor Who vinyl. Yeah. Only available in Asda that then you can go on eBay and see all the scalpers are charging you 60 quid a pop for. Gotta love scalpers. Not really. <laughs> uh, this is already on eBay for triple the price I bought it for. Of course it is. Because, you know, people are scum. Mm. But yeah, just, it is weird that they're just doing these things yeah. just for shops. And especially since the, I didn't see that announced anywhere. Yeah. When I got you the Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back singles last year, I didn't see them announced. Mm. You just happened to be in Asda and go, oh. So maybe they were successful enough to, to prompt this. Yeah, maybe. You, you never know, dear. Speaking of Big Finish, as we weren't, well, were, kind of, almost, sort of, um... Your sister bought me Doctor Who out of time, which is every single actor out of touch ever out of time, out of time ever to play Doctor Who still alive. Okay, singing cover songs from the REM album out of time, and it's got to be said that Tom Baker's version of Shiny Happy People <laughs> is a joy to behold. Oh, Shiny Happy People laughing. That was very Shatner. It was it was more Shatner than Tom Baker. <laughs> it has to be said. David Tennant's duet on Me and Honey with his wife Georgia is delightful. <laughs> it has to be said. No, it's not that at all. <laughs> really? How long did I keep that? Did I go too far with that? Was it the David Tennant bit or the Tom Baker bit that, that pushed it too far? Do you think? If you'd have done it the other way around. Really. Yeah, yeah, well, I can only do it in the way it comes. I'll fix it in post. No one will ever know. No, Out of Time is a dual doctor adventure. I don't know if it's part of this whole... Victor, Dr. Victorious or whatever it's called that's going on through Big Finish at the moment. They're doing loads of tie-ins right. with books and audio players and comics and everything. All Time Lord Victorious. That's oh, what it's called. Oh, is this the thing where the multimedia is Yeah, thing. basically. I don't know if this is part of that, but Tom Baker's Doctor, oh, she was a goer, meets with David Tennant's Alonzi Doctor. And that's, uh, that was so tempting that, that I was tempted which works, if you think about <laughs> yeah. it, to ask for it for Christmas. And lo and behold, it is here. Lovely listener in a shiny CD case. Physical media is the future. Jerry. Probably is. I'm telling you. Just like vinyl saved HMV. Yeah. Do you know one of the things that's happened over this pandemic? Go on. David Tennant has recorded Big Finish 10th Doctor Audios well into 2023. Oh, right, okay. So he's kept busy over the pandemic. Not by looking after his kids. He's, he's, yeah. he's plethora of children. But by recording Big Finish audios. Then what else is there to do? I would imagine there was some poor guy in the Big Finish audios. And would, Nicholas Briggs would just go up to him and just go, You will write another script for the 10th Doctor! Because <laughs> he does the voice of the Daleks. Okay. You see? And the poor writer would go, oh, f- f- Do I have another one for Tenant? He is available! We will make use of him! That's how it went down. That's how it works. That's insane. <laughs> do you know I've missed this? Yeah. Uh, do you want to go next? Because you're four here in one. Uh, well, I mean, you've got more though. So we'll, I've got we'll more. Though. Areas, All right, yeah. we'll do it. Well, my one's quite easy, really. I've got the fourth Firefly hardcover novel, Generations, and in this one, Captain Kirk appears <laughs> through the Nexus to help Mal Reynolds with a problem, <laughs> but Mal is just like, "Who the fuck's this guy?" <laughs> And he just kicks him out of the airlock. <laughs> and that's, that's, the, that's, that's not the story. Uh, this is by Tim Lebon. 
Whereas the other three were always by James Mangold. These have actually been really good. Mm. They're all set in between Firefly and Serenity, so Wash doesn't have a big spear through his chest. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> right. So, but they're good. They're, they are very, very enjoyable for those of us that miss the verse. Although Joss Whedon's put on a non at the minute, isn't he? That is true, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, that has been the story of the year. <laughs> the, the story that no one wanted to oh, keep going has been It does not matter what is in the Snyder Cut. <laughs> Five hours, four hours, however long that god-awful, miserable... finished film is Yeah, however long that miserable film will be, <laughs> it cannot possibly compare for the sheer entertainment value of the behind-the-scenes on Justice League this year. Yeah. I cannot wait for the E-True Hollywood story about that. <laughs> I am so looking forward to it. It has kept me gripped all the way through summer. Oh, it was so good. And then it ended, right, with a fart. <laughs> It's like literally, it came out just like before Christmas, like they were burying it. The investigation has been finished and action will be taken. The end. And you're like, okay. Is that it? <laughs> After six, however long months this has been, with the convenient timing of the release that everything was shit, just around the time that Snyder Cut was, was announced, which had just a massive coincidence as far as I understand it. And I've been following this and following this and really gripped by it, assuring it with you every time. Just there, yeah, there was nothing there that kind of gripped me though. I'm like, oh, is this still going That's on? That's how boring the <laughs> pandemic was. I don't give a shit about comics. What's going on there? <laughs> What's happening with the Justice League? Please tell me what's occurring. And then you had Aquaman. Aquaman showed up and said, shit went down. And you're like, oh, brilliant. We're going to get some juicy gosses to exactly what the shit was that went down. Nothing. Aquaman, defender of Amber Heard though. <laughs> Oh god, don't get me started on that. So, because like that's the thing with the just you've got Ben Affleck was me tooed, yeah, on more than one occasion. Flash, what's his name? Ezra, Ezra something strangled somebody on camera. That went away, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. That was never followed up on. <laughs> They're actually strangling someone the, the on film. Yeah, well, yeah. They just disappeared. Never happened. And then you've got the Amber Heard thing. With yeah. the old Johnny Depp thing and all yeah. that going on. And then you've got Gal Gadot releasing that fucking Imagine video, which is the biggest crime of the lot oh, of them. Oh, that was a thought crime to watch. <laughs> that alone should lead to cancellation for Gal Gadot. <laughs> oh, and please, any Snyder Bronies that are listening, we are not taking this seriously. Get a sense of humour. <laughs> That that so that was my story of the year, and I looked up remedial action. It was like, eh, fuck all, I'll be done. That was a literal translation when I looked it up. Nothing will be done. Thanks for your time, everybody. Bye. <laughs> oh, I feel like I wasted my time. Why, but anyway, why, why did that film need to be a thing? Why? Why? Everything. Why was it? Everything around it has been. Awful from the behind the scenes to the to people, the what was on to camera. The people who did like it, who didn't like it. Nobody liked it's it. It's been far more interesting than the actual yeah, film. Nobody liked the film. This is this is the, ultimately the point. Whatever you think of Zack Snyder's miserable grim fests, yeah, um, Batman versus Superman and Mama Steel, they had a fan base, yeah, right, and that fan base would have lapped up the Justice League two hour cut, four hour cut, whatever the hell they wanted to release, they would have lapped it up. So by screwing him over, they screwed over the people that would potentially have liked Justice League anyway. Yeah. 
they screwed over the people who couldn't give a shit who Zack Snyder is and just wanted an entertaining movie because they didn't deliver that. Yeah. They gave us this mismatched Frankenstein piece of shit that is a piece. It's the worst thing Joss Whedon's ever had his name on and he co-wrote Waterworld. <laughs> so there's that. And they ended up just not pleasing anybody Anyone. at all. But so the Snyder fans were pissed off. That's why the existence of the, the Snyder Cut Yeah, that's, that's essentially why it's come back. Just, so apparently what we've learned from this is if you bully people online, stamp your feet enough like a child, yeah. and whine and whine and whine and whine and whine, you will eventually get what you want. Which is my understanding of exactly what you don't do with a temper <laughs> tantrum child. Yeah. And also, you can't really stand and defend this film and say it's really good if you've just demanded that the directors spend... Seven million, 70. $70 million and an extra reshoots of a film that was finished. Well, the reshoots apparently only amount to four minutes of, of screen time. You need $70 million for that. Apparently no. Well, apparently so, yeah, because the film was finished. Oh, you and I, I both know that the film was finished. That's that's the truth you of did the matter. See, um, Aquaman said it's finished. Because they've, they've gone back and changed things with CG, so the big bad guy in it has more CG spikes on him. Can't wait. He, he lo- looks less like a John Byrne drawing and more like a Jim Lee drawing. <laughs> well, that's, that's what the world wants. Yeah. So, yeah, so they ended up pissing off everybody, delivering a movie that no one gave a sh- I have yet to find anybody, civilian or whatever, who were like, no, that was really good, Justice League movie. <laughs> It was like, I don't, nope. I don't, I don't want to watch the Snyder Cut. That was perfectly fine. <laughs> well, that, that's the thing as well I've got to ask you about. How, how are HBO going to market that to Joe Citizen? John Q. Citizen, who watches all the Marvel movies because they entertain them. Yeah. And they've, they're invested in the overall story of the Marvel Universe, but couldn't tell you directed Age of Ultron versus who directed The Winter Soldier versus who directed Endgame. They don't give a shit. Yeah. They want to go to the cinema and they put down the however money, which money, or watch it on streaming or whatever, and be entertained and be invested in the characters and the story, which is what they've got from the Marvel. Mm. Okay? How are you going to sell that? The, this the Justice Snyder cut to that guy, yeah. How are you going to sell that? So you're going to say this is the Justice League, and they're like, "But we saw that at the cinema; it was shit." No, no, no. This is a, this is a different <laughs> there's, version. There's more. <laughs> there's more of that shit <laughs> film that you didn't like. Oh, well, you're selling it to me now. No, no. This is this is the original <laughs> version of that movie that you thought was shit. But is it? So is that going to be less shit? <laughs> well, yes, yes. It's going to be much less shit. <laughs> But there's four hours of it. <laughs> yes, yes, there's four hours of it. But what's different? Oh, about four minutes and some more CG. <laughs> but, that no, sounds no, no. a bit shit. Stop being cynical. The film was finished. <laughs> yeah. The film was finished. Aquaman said so. Yeah. 70 million for a film that was finished. But anyway, uh, Joss Whedon's Firefly has been bought for me on Blu-ray to replace my DVDs, which were Region 1. Oh, okay. And nobody gives a shit about all that region bullshit anymore. Mm. And it was on sale during Amazon's Black Friday bullshit. Uh, I think it was dirt cheap. So your mum bought it for me. That was a tangent, wasn't yeah. it? Do you know, we have never talked about the Snyder bullshit. Because I've honestly never Because you seen, don't care. I've never seen Justice League. I haven't seen it. You're not missing anything. I enjoyed Man of Steel when it came out. I have not enjoyed it on any rewatches. Because, um, like I said to you, I don't want to watch a Superman film that looks like it's in grayscale and makes me feel sad about myself. <laughs> you mean you don't want to watch an emo Superman film? No, I want... Uh, oh, no, in Justice League as well, Batman's going to say fuck. Fuck Robin. Yes! <laughs> fuck you, Robin! I, 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 I want to watch a Superman film where he beats up landlords. <laughs> 
let's make Superman relevant. You have a Superman film set during a global pandemic. So he doesn't have to wear a mask. Landlords uh, kicking out people. Because they've not got a they're, salary. They're evicting their tenants because they, they can't afford to pay. And then they're sat there going, why have I got no income on my not a job? If only I had tenants to give me money. So Superman rocks up and goes, God, you're a dickhead, aren't you? Champion of the oppressed. <laughs> But yeah. now, but, but got... have you seen Batman vs Superman? I've seen that. Made me fall asleep in the cinema, and then they said, oh, "You did? Did you? Oh, yeah, you fell asleep in the there's picture." A, there's a director's cut of this. Oh, what's different? Well, it's a bit longer <laughs> and it's a bit shit. No, 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 no. I will defend the director's cut. It is a better version because, because you now know that it's Jimmy Olsen who gets shot in the face. <laughs> no, that'll make it better. It's a better version of the film you saw in the cinema. If you did not like that film you saw in the cinema, you will not like it any better. So yeah, after that, I just, I don't care about a film where Superman just goes, ah, but on my home planet, the S stands for fuck. <laughs> I would watch that movie just I to laugh at it. I don't understand how you can take these superheroes and just make them dull. It is a talent. Yeah. How do you take Henry Cavill, an incredibly charming man, with who oodles of screen charisma, who loves the character, how do you make him boring? It's mental, man. It's a talent. <laughs> it's it's a rare talent. So no, we we never discussed Batman vs Superman, the extended cut, because you never saw it. No. All right. Well, end of end of the game though. Then uh, <laughs> how many have I got though? See, I've got four now, and you've got two. Yes. <laughs> so why don't you go next? Um. So next up. Is I'll do this one. Yeah. Uh, so this is one. I didn't even know this existed. So this year I've been watching a lot of um, Japanese films, samurai films. So I started watching Kurosawa films at the start of the year. Uh, started... Kurosawa, I don't make films. I make <laughs> mad films. So did they have a samurai? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so I started watching them, which was a massive mistake because now my girlfriend wishes I looked like Toshiro Mifune. Doesn't everyone? Well, there is that. Um, so yes, yeah, I read in Lone Wolf and Cub. Uh, so I'd watch in Lone Wolf and Cub films, and I, had, I found that these were a thing. Uh, Zatoichi, which is like a, was a massive thing at the time. Uh, in fact, it's because of these. The actor who plays him is the older brother of the guy who plays Ogami Ito in the Lone Wolf and Cub films, and got him the job and produced the films. Hmm. Uh, so there's this book set from the Criterion Collection, who are really good. I like a lot of their stuff, and it's all but one of the Zatoichi films. They didn't have rights to the last one. Uh, in this... well, that's a shit complete box yeah. set then, isn't it? Uh, but it's, it's all the other ones. Right. Uh, so it's in a really nice illustrated booklet box thing. Uh, it's got all the different bits of artwork in there. Uh, yeah, in the nice package. Right. Including Zatoichi meets Yojimbo, in which Toshiro Mifune reprises his role from the Kurosawa film. And then it comes with a little... And it comes with a little well. bouclet. Uh, but the great thing about these, they did the same with the Godzilla collection. Hmm. Which you've also got. I have. I got that for my birthday. Watched through all of them. Ishiro Honda, who created, co-created and directed Godzilla, hmm. um, got bored of how Toho were making his war holocaust analogue into a children's boxing monster. <laughs> so he... <laughs> Retired. You say children's boxing monster like it's a bad thing. Well, yeah. But he retired and went off to help Kurosawa make his final few films. Right. 
because they were best buds. Okay. So yeah, this also comes for the booklet. Um, they always do. They have like a movie critic talk about the history and the context of all the films. Mm-hmm. Who's the critic? Uh, this time around, it is. Because I always think Kim Newman would be up for something like that. Uh, Jeffrey O'Brien. Never heard of him. Me neither. Sure, he's lovely. Uh, but yeah, so each one of these comes with artwork for each film. Mm. Uh, some of them by comic artists and that. So there's Paul Pope, mm-hmm. who designed the Lone Wolf and Cub box set. There's a Sinkovich one in here. Oh, is that? Uh, yeah. Cool, yeah. That one. Oh, very nice. I know this makes for riveting podcasting. Yeah. So um, these box sets are always quite expensive because the Criterion Collection do... Criterion work. Collections are, but they're always kind of worth it. But yeah, they always do some really nice things. And I think I saw this on sale and sent it to you and it's just like, oh, this is kind of nice and it's really, it's on sale. And then a few months later, I've got it. There you go. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to dive into these knowing nothing about them because I've enjoyed... I would be really annoyed if I spent all that money on it well, yeah. and you don't like them. I just watched <laughs> a lot of Samurai stuff this year, so I'm, I'm happy that now I've finished them off, I've got more. Cool, yeah. And speaking of which, what adorns my new man cave walls, Michael? Oh, some little drawings by some guy. Yeah, what are they drawings of? Uh, so on the left, that is uh, the aforementioned Mr. Mifune mm-hmm. in the aforementioned Yojimbo. Yojimbo. Uh, and I did a couple of these, but didn't like any of the others. And then on the right, it is the one of the final shots of Throne of Blood, mm-hmm. also starring uh, Mifune. Mifune, yeah. Which yeah. is a great performance in that film, considering it's an uh, adaptation of uh, Macbeth, mm. and it wasn't really well received at the time. It's one of Mifune's best performances. Yeah. Well, I have those prints from an up-and-coming young artist. Huh? <laughs> and Michael Leyland. You I, also did. I wonder, I wonder if he goes anywhere. I will have to wait and see. We, you also did. Put yourself up. You did that 16-page comic strip. Yeah. That was really um, fun. Because I also played the uh, Yakuza video games throughout lockdown. Um, so watching them, playing them and watching the Samurai films, I was like, oh, I want to just do my own comic. And you did. And I came up with loads of all these big ideas uh, for future comics. I've, I've got an entire tapestry of this character's life laid out. And it took me most of the year to do 15 pages. Well, you know, Brian Itch takes about that long, doesn't he? <laughs> he does, yeah. It, I think I actually think Brian Itch has, has sped up recently. He said the Batman's great. Yeah, he he's did. really interesting to watch on Twitter because he's one of those artists who hates his own work. Yeah, and he's like he was talking recently about the Ultimates on mm. Twitter, and it was really interesting to hear him say, "I look back on the Ultimates now, and I say appreciate what it did for my career." Yeah. And I appreciate there are lots of people that still love it. I look at it now and I just think it looks stiff mm. and boring and yeah. there's no momentum to it. See, I, I think Brian Hitch has gone, maybe not downhill, but I don't think he's as good now as he... Well, I'd have to look at the Batman's grave. He recently did. I was quite surprised. So I get, because I can't help myself, I hate it. My finances hate it. <laughs> but I get all of the tie-ins and spin-offs for the metal event that's going on at the moment. The, um, the glossy covers. Yeah, and yeah. They, they do one-shots, which is the Tales from the Dark Multiverse, where it's big events, so like Nightfall, Death mm. of Superman. But you what if, me some of them. Yeah, but like, what if something at one point went bad, and then that's how we get but, the, the origin story but for this Nightfall, bad the whole story of Nightfall is about something going bad. Well, it gets worse. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> but the most recent one was Flashpoint, and it was written and drawn by Brian Hitch. Was it good? Which, I've not read it, but oh, it right. just surprised me that... 
He just seemed a little high profile for a throwaway tie-in. Well, he also on his Twitter, he says he's basically at the point in his career where he can pick and choose what he wants to do. Yeah. Ultimates, another thing that he appreciates about the Ultimates is it kind of made him financially solvent. Mm. After decades, he didn't just come out of nowhere yeah. to do the Ultimates. He'd been working in comics for decades and struggling. Yeah. And basically, Ultimates made him financially viable. And now he can pick and choose what he wants. And he's still got this big Superman idea that he wants to do. Oh, his DC, dream story. Yeah, that DC he was wants him to do. about that when we, when we saw him, him years yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah. When, we, when we got my Ultimates signed. Yeah. That was back when, wasn't it back, what was that comp Bix called? Bix, Bix, yeah, it when was, Bix was still a thing. Was it the first or the second time it we went? It was the second time we went. Yeah. Um, and he did, uh, he did a Q&A and it was all, the thing about Bix that was brilliant before it was subsumed by Thought Bubble, which is a fun con, don't get me wrong, yeah. but Bix was very intimate. Yeah. Do you not remember Adam as a young lad? Sat next to sat Sean Phillips. next to Sean Phillips as Sean Phillips sketched. And shared his chocolate and with him. And Sean Phillips just kept sharing his chocolates with Adam. I had watched what he was drawing. The same year when Charlie Adlard yep. had just started Walking Dead. Yeah, before he became untouchable. And then untouchable. a few years, yeah, it was at Thought Bubble when the queue for him yeah. was out the door. And we were just sat chatting to him. Because he was next to Brian H. Yeah. And the guy who... Drew Goddess by Garth Ennis. Phil Winsled. All right, the okay. three of them were all sat together just having a chat and having a natter and you could just wander up and gas with them and talk yeah. with them and there was no crowds. They were not busy. I think that was the same year I, uh, I met John McCrea as well yeah. and he did the sketch. He did and the I went back, sketch. I went back to pick up the sketch and he was talking to his wife who was holding a child, had another child next to them, both of them crying and just going, well, how long do you think you'll be? Oh, I don't know. I thought, <laughs> right, I'll come and get my sketch later. <laughs> but yeah, Bix was awesome. And then it became Thought Bubble and Thought Bubble is a lot of fun as a car. I really like Thought Bubble, but it's big. Yeah. Compared um, to Bix, where they were all just, you could just chat with I, them. I appreciate that like, there's, a, there's a lot of people there. Um, like They get quite a lot of big names. So I was in the queue for James Stokoe um and doing my godzilla sketch and that and the queue on the oh it was this long table at the back of the hall and i was on the far right and on the far left was gerard way mm. and the queue, oh, for, yeah. the queue for gerard way was out the town hall and around <clears throat> the side but i'm sitting in the queue and this guy walks next to me he's a bit huddled over a bit porky cardigan mm. slippers long greasy hair who was that it was gerard way <laughs> But yes, I thought Bubble has moments, but it's it doesn't compare to Bix for intimacy. Yeah. And Bix got kind of subsumed by Thought Bubble. And, mm. I, you know, you miss not being able to go to these things. Last time we went to one was October, where I got to meet George Perez. Mm. And that was a lot of fun. And Glenn Fabric, who was brilliant. Yeah. Because the guy has no filter. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. will just tell you about what he thinks of the Preacher TV show. <laughs> It was so funny. I don't think I've been to one in a while. Well, not a year. Well, yeah, well, yeah. Because <laughs> the problem with working in a bar is I'm there all the time and I'm too tired to get up early in the morning, mm. so I've not been able to do a few of them. But they are quite nice because I recently reread um, New Frontier, Open Up, Sketch from Cup, Cup. Yeah. And that was bizarre when you think about it because we met him in a small one in the Lake District. Yeah, we met him at um, the Lakes International Comics Festival, Yeah, which is where I got your preacher signed by Garth Ennis. Yeah. Because you couldn't make that because you were working. So I lugged your preacher hardcovers. Mm-hmm. Absolutes. And then to London for Glenn Fabry. And which then was lugged a nice them all to bonus. Glenn Fabry. So you have, don't you, so you've got Steve Dillon's signature, Glenn Fabry's signature, and Garth Ennis' well, signature. I had the absolute 
uh, after I met Steve Dillon. Well, he signed Preacher Number One for you? No, the first one that him and. Uh... Oh, was it Hellblazer? It was the first one that him and Ennis did together. Yeah, because I got Hellblazer Ennis to issue, sign yeah. the same issue of Hellblazer, didn't I? That yeah. Steve Dillon signed Which for was, you. I was really worried about because it's like, how do I get this guy to sign my comic from his dead best friend? No, he was fine. Because um, I also have a sketch as well because I, I put my foot down firmly. Mm. We were in New York. It was New York Comic Con. And I said to Dana, I don't care how much money it will cost. I'm getting a Steve Dillon sketch. Mm. And, you know, I mumbled about as my awkward teenage self. <laughs> like, I read Preacher when I was 14. Oh, changed my life. Oh. <laughs> Me and Dana were arguing about Hellblazer as well because she loves the film because it's Keanu and I think it's wank. And he just goes, <laughs> he stops and he goes, right, you love the comics. Great. But watch the film because you can't criticise it if you've not seen it. You, good that you like the film. Read my work. And we just both stood there like, yes, Mr. Dylan, sir. <laughs> And two weeks later, he was no longer with us. He was no longer, yeah. That's that's weird, that, isn't it? Uh, that's, he's speaking of, like, this year and missing out on things, it would be a shame if conventions like this were not, like, Never a- a- able again. to be a thing. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, it's... Well, like, that's the th- everything's gone to Zoom and online, and you can actually, this weekend, you could meet Sylvester McCoy because there's a Doctor Who thing yeah. and get his signatures and but stuff like that, but you're not these, seeing like, them. Yeah. I'm sat here looking at a framed picture of me with David Hasselhoff. Uh, I fist bumped Stan Lee. Yeah. Like, you, don't, you, don't get, you don't get these kind of things if you're just doing it online. No, and it's so that's another reason to go back to some semblance of normality. So just put a mask on so we don't have to wear one in the yeah, future. But anyway, <laughs> you know, there are pricks that aren't doing it. Uh, your your lovely girlfriend bought me Bad Weekend, speaking of Sean Phillips. Mm-hmm. Wow, that was a segue, wasn't it? It's <laughs> I mean, like we, we planned we this year. a while to get there. We did, but it's uh, Bad Weekend is a representation of two issues of Criminal, which uh, they've expanded by a couple of pages and apparently changed some of the dialogue, Heather and Yom. It's about a writer named Hal Clements, who is a, an analogum of numerous different artists. Jack Kirby, Jack Cole, yeah. John Buscema's in there. I got mm. a bit of John Buscema for it. Who has been in the comics industry for quite some time, and it's basically killed him. Yeah. Just been screwed over by publishers and people when he's worked in animation. So there's a lot of Jack Kirby in it. Yeah. But it's an excellent story arc. It's well worth reading. It's, not, a, it's another genius piece of work from Brubaker and Phillips. I've not read this one, but I've enjoyed some of the trades that they've done. I really liked the last one, Pulp. Yes. I really liked that. Well, they've gone to direct to hardcover graphic novels now. Yeah. They're not going to do issues of Criminal anymore. Because that was from this. Oh, are they stopping doing it as an yep. ongoing? When he did this... Um, they did. They asked him. Apparently, the publisher image went to him and said, "Look, we've got a convention coming up. Mm. Bad weekend is set at a convention. We think we could do some publicity for this. Okay. And instead of just dishing it out as a trade, mm. do you want to do a special edition of it? And he did with Sean Phillips, and this is what they came up with. Right, okay. And it was doing this that made him realise that they were limited by the twenty-two page page count yeah. of the comics. So they've moved into sort of pulp. So they'd already done Our Heroes Will Always Be Junkies. Yeah. Haven't they? 
and they followed that up with Pulp, and now the new one, Reckless, mm. is going straight to hardcover graphic novels. Fair. But they are they are the two creators at the moment, Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips, are two creators that I will read anything they do. And I really like, sight unseen. I really like their stuff because <clears throat> the is it the fade out the other one? They yes, did? the fade out's really like, good. Nineteen forties crime noir. Even if it's not a criminal story, they're all kind of yeah. part of the same world. Well, there's Fatal. Fatal's the only one I've not read because it took the me ages Lovecraft to build up. One, yeah. Because I stopped, I missed a couple of issues or something, mm. and then I've had to fill the gaps, and now I've got them all. I've still not actually sat down and read it all. I, I enjoyed reading it, if I remember, and then you didn't have them all, so I couldn't carry on. Well, I need to, I need to sit down and read Incognito, all that. Incognito, the other Incognito one. is great. Yeah. And the thing that he did <clears throat> without Sean Phillips, Velvet, which is a yeah. 1960s spy thing, where basically, it's it's one of them, where it's, it's the idea of money penny. In the new James Bond film, the idea that the secretary is actually the spy. Yeah. So she hides behind the guise of being the guy's secretary because it's the 1960s. So obviously no one's paying her any attention. Yeah. But she's the spy. Mm-hmm. And that was drawn by Steve, Steve Epton. Epton. Yeah, who did the Winter Soldier stuff with him. could not remember the other day. could not remember his name. And for some bizarre reason, Thought Bubble, where we were having this conversation, didn't have any copies of Winter Soldier so we could look. So we could just have a look. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. yes, we can get to go around Manchester. It's only London that's shut. Uh, because that, curiously enough, led to my next present being purchased for me. <laughs> Whilst we were in um, Manchester, I noticed that part of these 80 years of hardcovers, of which I have the Flash, Detective Comics and Action Comics, they'd done one for Robin. Mm. You and I had no idea that this existed. Well, I also picked up the deluxe edition of Animal Man Volume yeah. 2, which also I didn't know if it had yeah. been ex- a thing. And it's like, so... Did we not know that these existed because the pandemic has basically meant they were solicited and then it took them forever to come out? Mm. Or are DC just shit at their publicity? I think it's both. Because oh, right. unless it's tied to an event or have Scott Snyder's name on it. There is that. And I'm, I'm a big fan of Scott Snyder, but it seems like unless it's got his name on it, it's not advertised anymore. No, it doesn't. It doesn't seem like the advertising budget is much. The 80 Years of Robin one is actually more interesting than the Detective Comics one. Yeah, I remember you saying you were disappointed about that. Yeah, well, because the Batmans, they're all kind of predictable. But when you're focusing on Robin, there's lots of different things. So, obviously, you've got Detective Comics 38. Mm. That's, you know, that's obviously going to be in here. But they've got the Revenge of Rainbows, which is the crazy quilt meeting between Jason Todd pre-crisis. Yeah. So, it's nice, Jason Todd. Not, I'm going to steal the wheels off the Batmobile, Jason <laughs> Todd. And you've got an absolutely batshit Teen Titan story uh, called Requiem for a Titan, which okay. has one of my favourite panels that I have seen for a long time. I'm just going to flick through it and see if I can find it. There's a moment in the story, right, where Robin has to escape. This this creature, the Gargoyle, this bad guy, the Gargoyle, has turned the Teen Titans against Robin. And they're all being really bastards to him because that's what they are. And he escapes down the laundry chute. Now, I know what you're thinking, and you're you're right. right. I am not expecting a laundry chute to lead to a waste dump. (laughs) Why does the laundry chute go to a river? (laughs) Yeah. Are the Teen Titans not sat there going, I never got my laundry back. (laughs) Where did it go? So does this go through... All of the different Robins. It does go through all of the different Robins, yeah. So like I say, you've got the Jason Todd story, 
Would it um, include a bit from Dark Knight then? There is no, there is no one chapter of Dark Knight in this. Mm. Unlike the Joker one, which features an excerpt from the Killing Joke. Right. Okay. What <laughs> is the point of that? I mean, I don't get when those collections put really? like a chapter of Hush double in. feature of Rocky and Rocky. A double feature of well, it's Rocky. Oh right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So then they've got a post-crisis Jason Todd story, and then for me, this is where it starts getting interesting. Because they've got a Tim Drake story by Norm Brayfogle. Mm-hmm. And then they've got a spoiler story from Robin. And then they've got the Gauntlet, which is a really good one-shot that they did. And then they mix and match across the other Robins. So as you carry on past the Gauntlet, you've got Stephanie Brown. Like I said, you've then got a Damien Wayne story from Batman and Robin. Yeah. And you've got... You don't have a Carrie Kelly one. Batman Incorporated. Batman Incorporated gets an issue. You've got an issue with the Super Sons. Yeah. With Damien in it. Because one of the big things that I did this year, one of my plans this year, while the pandemic was happening, was I was doing a read-through of all the stuff I have never read. Mm. And part of that was Grant Morrison's Batman run, which came out with the third and final omnibus. Yeah. Came out this year. Now, you know my relationship with Grant Morrison is somewhat... What's the word I'm looking for? antagonistic <laughs> you know he'll do stuff i like right kill your boyfriend is brilliant mm. um he'll do stuff i hate tis uh x-men rule yeah. is utter shit in my opinion you you even you said you struggle with his x-men rule it's i've not read it in years since the first time i read it but it, it was a struggle at the time and i, I, I want to reread it because maybe mm. maybe it'll click yeah, maybe even more time has made it yeah. more enjoyable. Well, possibly. But I ended up really enjoying Batman, his Batman role. There is something really just gratifying about a guy it's... who comes onto it yeah. and says, everything matters. Mm. He's not come on and said, everything you know is wrong. He's not come on with a big storyline twist that basically negates other creators' work. Yeah, He's come onto it and said, everything you've ever read, it happened. Yeah. Well, that's the thing about it. It's this is why I struggled so much with Tom King's Batman. Bat, cat, bat, cat, yeah, bat. bat, cat. Is the the thing with the thing with Grant Morrison's run is not only does does it say everything has ever happened, but it's it takes these things and it let's put Batman in space. Yeah. Let's make him a pirate. Yeah. Let's do a comedy issue. Let's, let's put him with Jonah Hex. Let's do a prose one. Let's have Batman go uh, shit post in forums. Yes, uh, that was brilliant. He's, planned, he's on the forums, basically. Yeah. I think Bruce Wayne is Batman. I think that's bullshit. Here's why. And it starts off as just this four-issue series where Batman finds out that he's got a son. Yeah. And then it builds up yeah. and it builds up and it's seeding things and it's it splits chapters. So, you know, we start in another... Batman and Robin issue one, Batman yeah. Incorporated, but it, it. But in in Omnibus, it really does work as a three act story. Yeah, and it's it's apart from its exclusion of Final Crisis, which obviously yeah. lets do uh, its own. Yeah, because they want you to buy it. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, the the grandma's just good. Do you know the the greatest thing about it? Mm. I grew to love Damien. Yeah, yeah. As the story comes along, and as Batman starts to have an influence on him, yeah, his relationship with Alfred. Is really good, but with it's his Dick. relationship with Dick Grayson. There's that moment; it always gets me. Yeah, you, you you start off hating him. You're, you're supposed, supposed to, to. yeah, uh, because Damien exists to die. Yeah, but Morrison always planned that that was the story out. But didn't yeah, he? you grow to like him, and he, he he comes really good. But again, like it's his relationship with Dick because there's the bit in his last issue, mm. which always 
you know, pangs at my heartstrings if there were any, where he's just like, <laughs> he, he just goes, oh, Grayson, you were my favourite. Yeah. And then he goes off and dies. Of all my partners, you were my favourite. Yeah. And it's, the, it's that it's relationship. Robin and Batman. <laughs> yeah, that relationship between Damien and Dick Grayson. Because Dick Grayson obviously isn't trying to be a dad to him. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't have to be the stern father. Yeah. So he tolerates his snark. And he tolerates his smart assery. Yeah. But slaps him down in really subtle ways. Yeah. Well, if, if anyone can smart ass him, it's a dick. Yeah. And so they've they've got a big brother, little brother relationship. Yeah. That really works. Mm. And it is really sad when he says that at the end, you are my favourite. Yeah. And he always calls him Grayson. Yeah. Like he doesn't respect him, but does really. And this is uh, like, I, I know he's a fan favourite and I know the Super Sons was really successful, but I am no interest in Damien post Morrison. Yeah, you're, you, you, you're like, you should have left him dead. You take everything that is, like, you take all the strengths of that story and you make them invalid mm. um, by just carrying on with him. Yeah. But, you know, that story's still there. It's 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 a separate timeline, I guess. Yeah, Grant Morrison's run on Batman as its own thing. Now, if there's been a negative aspect to it, it's that. It's that now everyone comes on to Batman saying, I'm going to tell my 75-issue story. Yeah. But unlike Morrison, they're like, and it will be independent from everything else, mm. apart from when it isn't. Yeah. So you had Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo come on, and we loved their run initially. Yep. I am now of the opinion I wish Scott Snyder would just get off the fucking stage. Well... He, he wants to. This is his last one. Oh, how many times has he said that? Well, yeah. So, I, I really like it. It's really, really good. Um, I really liked All-Star. And then I really liked Metal. Even if it did have a bit of a cop-out ending. Mm. Yeah, you let me know. But then there's the Justice League, which of course is important. Oh, of course it is. But which is just stale. But it has to be this this big event now. Everything's got to be, this is the mother of the 52 universes. And, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and now I'm reading Death Metal and I'm bored of it. It's boring. And Scott Snyder's writing. I realise that Scott Snyder has this way of writing now hmm. where all of his characters will go, ah, yes, they're using this device, but the history of this device and the Greek origins of the word of this device and da 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 And this will all be the same panel of just characters giving essays in the middle of fighting. Yes, this isn't new. You go back into his Batman run and it's all the mm. Scott Snyder's writing hasn't changed. Yeah, but I've just realised that over the last 10 years, it when, hasn't changed. But when he was doing Batman, it was new. Yeah. And now you've had 10 years of reading his work. No one knew who they were, really, yeah. until the new 52. And then you've got the same again with Tom King and, and primarily Michael Janine. Yeah. But other artists as well. Yeah. Tom King's come in and I'm going to tell my 100 issue Batman story that will have no burring on continuity whatsoever. Apart and... from when it did. Well, well, it, it can't now because isn't Catwoman going to be pregnant and they're not going to follow up on that. No, I, I, I don't know what's going, in, going on in the Tom King verse because I... Yeah, you got bored of it, didn't you? I don't outright dislike a lot. This I, is the thing. Now that I'm not, like... there's the, the difference there in your maturity level of understanding when something is badly written yeah. and something is not for you. So, and Tom King stuff is not badly written. It's not that. It's not for me. This is where I say that Tom King's writing is bad. Tom King's Batman run is bad. It's not that I don't like it. Yeah. It's bad. Why is it bad? It's the constant repetition that I can't There stand. is a lot of repetition. There's bad. Can't. It's not written as an individual issue. It's not written no. straight for the trade. It's written as a hundred issue story. Yeah. 
and so you've got this constant back cap, back cap, back cap. That's your issue. That's it. You've got. It's hard to disagree with that. These making these big things like oh the marriage, oh the marriage. It's all about the marriage. They're definitely going to get married. Oh they don't. But that's where the story was always going to go. And then he stopped writing the story. Did he stop writing? Was he sure? Well, you know, whatever. But it. I think something funny happened there. And then the thing that bothers me the most, the thing is, is every single character is so badly written. Hmm. None of them. That's not Batman. Bruce Wayne does not sit in a McDonald's and not know what a hamburger is and then eat it with a knife and fork. He doesn't. (laughs) Like, there's one issue where he's just like, I don't even trust Alfred. Oh, Alfred that they killed. Like, yeah. And this is Thanks, like, Dan Didier, on your way out the door. Everything in it, they're just all so poorly written. And it's just like, oh, it's been a while since I've read it and I need to take a step back, like, and maybe see things from the bigger perspective. But it's just, well, it's just reading it. It was so... These weren't the characters that I was reading. It does not come from... We've just come from Grant Morrison's run and Scott Snyder's one. Well, these are characters who know their Batman history mm. and appreciate it. This is a Batman who is not... Like, Bruce Wayne is not Batman without the mask. Mm. But for Tom King, it is. He's always Batman, 100% all the time. Yeah, he's got no he's, Bruce Wayne to him. Bruce Wayne laughs and he acknowledges that these people are his family. He's got a stick up his ass in Tom King's. And this is... These aren't the characters mm. who I have read in everything else. Have you read he, any Atinian stuff following him? I, I've read him in other stuff because yeah. he co-writes with Scott Snyder. But yeah, that's what bothers me the most. As much as I don't like the story, because that's it. I'm not saying the story's bad. Mm. I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure some people like it. But it's Tom King's writing, Tom King's dialogue, and Tom King's understanding of Batman and the Bat family that I think is fundamentally bad. And that's the only time I'll really have a strong opinion and say that is outright bad, and that's Tom King's Batman. See, I'm interested in picking up some of James Tinian's stuff, Mm. especially that Joker War thing, although I couldn't give a rat's ass about Punchline. Oh, well, she's a big deal now. I've I've got um, Year of the Villains issue three as her first appearance. Have you got that? I've got a copy of that. That's uh, Uh, your holiday paper. That's that's my future house, that is. No, I'd sell that now. Really? Let's be brutally honest, Punchline ain't going to be something in six months. That's true, but... (laughs) Sell it now. (laughs) Yeah. Iron Hearts and all you, that. You know, me missing one issue from that, though, is going to wind me up. Yeah, let's sell a lot. Do what I did with Batman Adventures with the first appearance of Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. And somebody actually said, well, you just sell issue seven or whatever her first appearance was. I'm like, nope, I want them all <laughs> out my house. You want it. Yeah. You can pay you 400 quid for that one issue and you get the rest for free if that's how you want to look at it. Yeah. But I want them all gone. It's either all or nothing. Well, that's what else happened. There's not really a lot else happened in the... I don't care about King in Black because I don't even know what it is. It's apparently uh, Donny Cates and Ryan Stegman's Venom is apparently mm. quite good, but I've got no interest How in it. How many really. tie-ins has it got? Uh, probably a lot, That's yeah. what puts me... You know what I'm like. Yeah. $5 tie-ins and at least 20 of them. Well, I think, isn't it, the next couple of months, pretty much everything is just going to be tie-ins yeah. for that. Well, the next couple of months of Marvel of DC, sorry, is just going to be Future State. Yeah. And I had an interest in that. I was reading the solicitation thinking, oh, that looks good, that looks good. And then I saw the price. Mm. And I'm like, I'm not paying seven ninety nine for a comic. Yeah. That's the bottom line. Unless there's a, a prestige version. Mm. I mean, I suppose the only other thing is Doomsday Clock finished. Yeah. And Three Jokers came out. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed Three Jokers a lot. Yeah. Surprisingly. No, I, I, I really enjoyed it as well. But it's it's bizarre 
seeing it as a finished product and how it was set up. Mm. And like, like I, now it don't mean anything. And like I said to you, I wonder if the delays of Doomsday Clock affected uh, the three Jokers in any way. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I'm not down with Batman being perfectly fine with Jason shooting somebody through the head and just, well, you know, you, you can't be arrested for it because we'd have to testify and take our masks off. Yeah. And like, I'm reading that going, Barbara Gordon would not have a problem with that. Barbara Gordon would throw your ass in jail. Well, I got I, I got the impression that she would be fine with that. But I also kind of got the impression that Batman didn't like Jason doing that, but felt like he couldn't do anything no, it was out of his hands that's what he sits out of my dis- well that's what he, i think batman does have a bit where he says to barbara look this is your decision and whatever you do i'll bat you but yeah. if you go to court with this and testify you will have to take your mask off yeah uh, but i enjoyed it i liked it because it's not a big deal like it was billed as a big deal yeah, but it's not it's not because by the end of it they outright say none of it really mattered anyway yeah and you have that nice little moment at the end where it's just like i've always known who the joker is yeah. but he has a family that i need to protect yeah if the minute it's out the because it's t- it's very definitely another sequel to an alan moore project yeah sequel to the killing joke and it made me uh, like i said to you I, I, I reread the killing joke afterwards i've never liked the killing joke and i don't like it now but i enjoyed it more having read three jokers mm. like seeing where these characters could have gone yeah well, that's the other thing with Three Jokers. It, it could easily be a springboard off into doing something completely different with Jason Todd now. Yeah. He's made his peace with being the Red Hood. Yeah. He's made his peace with what the Joker did to him mm. and how Bruce handled that. You could take that character in any number of different directions from this point. Yeah. And you know that they won't. And going back to writers who I think get Batman. Jeff Jones Jeff gets Jones him. Gets ba- yeah. and Jeff Jones gets Superman. Yeah. It's. I think there's there's only a few instances really where writers get both Superman and Batman and not be biased. Yeah, but, but let's not forget he was lumped in with that behind the scenes Justice League stuff. Oh, Horrible yeah, man. True. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Three Jokes is good, and I liked that it was. It had big plot twists that were just more nice characters. I like that it's those three issues. Yeah. It's not King in Black. It's not twenty tie-ins. It's those three it's issues. Its own thing, yeah. You can read that graphic novel and, and that's it. Only time I've ever cared about Jason as well. Really? Because yeah. I don't mind Jason. Never like Jason. Well, you're not supposed to like him before he gets beaten to death. Well, yeah. I don't think you're, you're supposed to like that he gets beaten well, to I've death. Just never cared for him. Either he, he's a clone of Dick Grayson or he's yeah. just a bit whiny. Yeah. Just, I've never got him, but I, I, I got it. It was the second issue where like he's tied up and the Joker's talking to him. And I was like, oh man feel bad for him here you need to watch the death in the family movie i want you yeah that's quite interesting yeah because the multiple choice stuff starts well into the movie it's not just different endings yeah you can choose the path the story goes in and that's quite interesting okay that's more interesting anyway should we do the net well you bought me my next one i did you bought me bond cars the definitive history by jason barlow which i didn't know existed I think they announced it on Facebook. Did they? On the official James Bond store. Well, I'm presuming that it's out now. It's a Top Gear book. It's. I mean, it's everywhere. So, like, I saw it on the James Bond web store, and then it's on Amazon, and it's in Waterstones. Right. Well, I've, I'd never seen this, and it's great. I flicked through, and it's got some really good stuff in it. It's obviously it's supposed to tie in with the fact that there should have been a James Bond film out this year. That is true. That isn't. Yeah. Now, going back to, to like, we plan this shit, because we're near at the end of the show. And to go back to what we talked about right at the beginning, because it's cyclical. Mm. 
if Bond goes to streaming, yeah, I think that may be the death knell for a lot of cinemas. Mm. I think a lot of cinemas, independent or not, are pinning their hopes now. Where would it go? And, well, that's the thing, isn't it? Wonder Woman has, has HBO Max. They've got a streamer. Mm. Mo- was it Moana? What was the Disney one? Mulan. Mulan. Mulan, Disney have got a streaming service. MGM don't have a streaming service, but MGM have just put their entire back catalogue and ownership of Bond mm. up for sale for something like $5 billion. Okay. So we could live in a world where Disney owns Bond. <laughs> that would delight me. Yeah. In that way, would it? <laughs> <clears throat> so, so I'm presuming this is supposed to tie in on the fact that No Time to Die should have, come should out. have been in cinemas. Because that only has two release dates. It should have come out in March. Mm-hmm. Obviously didn't. And then it should have come out in October when it looked like everything may go back to normal and then and everything then we, went to shit. We sent students back to university. And then we sent students back to university <laughs> and kids back to schools and everything went bad. So I think this is all a plot on Daniel Craig's part to ensure that he is the longest serving James Bond. <laughs> because at this point we have now had five Doctor Whos and four Prime Ministers. Yeah. In the time that Daniel Craig has so, been James Bond. This is this is where we find out that Daniel Craig was patient zero. Yes. So we could prolong this. <laughs> so he could make out that you will be the longest James Bond ever. <laughs> but no, this is really cool. This. It's a really classy looking book. And it deals with each film individually. And it's all about the cars. So there is no there is no bad here. No. I think it's great. That's, that's the thing. Like Usually I just buy you things that I want, but give them to you. Uh, whereas this time I've, I found this and I was like, no, that's that's definitely a safe bet. Yeah. Well, I love the thing as well. It has got an entire chapter at the back about No Time to Die. So it's going to be interesting to see if there's any spoilers in this. <laughs> and they'll go, oh, shit, we forgot about that book. <laughs> anyway, thank you. It was good, though. Go on, what's your last one? Uh, so my next one is from Dana. And uh, I saw these in Waterstones a while back. And what they are, just find the first one. Where it's it? a four-volume set. Thirteen, like twenty-six, nineteen twenty-six. So yeah, it's a four-volume set. Uh, the history of Japan, the Showa era, mm. um, from Shigeru Mizuki, and I know nothing about these. Um, just they're quite chunky. I thought, oh, I've very got more fat. to read here. But what they are, they are a history of uh, the Japanese Showa uh, yeah. era with the Showa Emperor. So it re- it starts from nineteen twenty-six. And ends in 1989. Yeah. And they are part. Um, they are part autobiography, and part history lesson. Really? Um, and yeah, again, I know nothing about it, but the artwork in it looks really nice. It does. And it looks really cool. I've been listening while I've been drawing. Uh, my my comic throughout the months. I've been listening to the History of Japan podcast on uh, Spotify. And that's gone through all of it. Then I like going into depths and details about things. So I just mm. thought it'd be a nice little compliment. Because it's got such it's a fascinating culture, Japan. Because it is so old. Well, there's a lot of. I suppose uh, this year's been very thematic for me. They're all Japanese and that, mm. and I just got into like absolutely fascinating. Like the time that. Basically, at the start of like the twentieth century, there were still samurai. Mm-mm. When we were having industries, there were still samurai. Yeah. And then Matthew Perry, not that one, the other one, <laughs> rocked up. Did you say Matthew Perry? 
rocked up and was just like, hey, up lads, you've got to open up your borders. And Japan were like, all right, fine. <laughs> and then became one of the richest countries in the world and then became one of the poorest countries in the world. Mm. And yeah, it's just really, really interesting. So I saw these and thought, oh, they look nice. I'll give them a go. Okay, nope. And last one for me is nowhere near as culturally relevant. <laughs> it's another one of those 80 years of books. This time it's 80 years of the Emerald Knight. What? Is that a thing? Yeah. Is, is it the, the Emerald Knight? Or what else would you call him? Uh, Green Lantern. The, the <laughs> Green Bean <laughs> Ring Machine. I would call him. Now, obviously, I've been reading the Robin one. So I've not been reading this yet. But this has, again, got loads of different stories in. It's not easy being green. Oh, that's an essay. They didn't actually do a title, uh, a, a comic book story. Yeah, that would be actually really cool. And it's got Morgo doesn't socialise in it by Alan Moore, and it's got a Neil Adams and Denny O'Neill story in it, and so on and so forth. It looks quite interesting. There's some nice sketches. So it is in this one. Oh, the, there is an issue by Grant Morrison. Yeah. Green Lantern Corps pinup. Which will nearly finish. Intergalactic Lawm and Green Lantern number one. So that's from the new Green Lantern Grant Morrison run, isn't it? Yeah. By Liam Sharp, which I borrowed off you, which is Morrison at his most batshit crazy. Mm-hmm. But it actually works because Liam Sharp's artwork is fantastic. You've not read any season two yet, but it's no, I was going to wait till you had them all. Best because every issue is like a different art style. So yeah. there's one that homages Kirby. There's one that is fully painted. Right. Um, yeah, it's it's really good. Right. No, it's it's interesting. So this one will probably be an interesting volume for me because unlike the Superman and and Batman one, I've not read it all before. Mm. So you know, the thing you get to the point with the Superman and Batman stuff is you read them all. Yeah. So, Although, I think the I most fun that, yeah. I've ever had reading comics was that eight Action Comics 80th. Yes. Just the story where it's like, oh, Batman's dead. Um, where, <laughs> That's where hysterical. Is he? Why, why is this statue of Batman gone missing in my, in my Fortress of Solitude? <laughs> oh, it was just a ruse all along. Oh, oh Batman's oh, no. fun in me. And then, like, oh, there's an earthquake. So Superman's like, oh, we're trapped in here. You're going to die. I'll outlive you. <laughs> I'll Batman's be fine. Like, oh, shit. <laughs> Oh, I chose to play chicken with the wrong person. <laughs> and that's it then. Yeah. God, we covered an entire year in just under, just over an hour and a bit. Sure, there's, there was plenty more. There probably was, but we didn't make any notes. No. It was just off the cuff. Anyway, that's your annual treat for this year. The return of Hey Kids Comics rises from the grave and murders you. <laughs> I don't know what this one's going to be called. I haven't thought that much. Bride of Hay Kids Comics. Bride of Hay Kids. I think we've done that one. Of course we did have. Did we not do Bride of Hay Kids Comics? I think we did that ages ago. <laughs> Carry on Hay Kids Comics. We were. <laughs> in, in memory of poor Barbara Windsor, who sadly passed away this year. Not that long ago. Right, that about wraps it up for God. Mm. As uh, Douglas Adams once said, thank you very much for joining us. I hope you enjoyed us rambling incoherently and incessantly for nearly 90 minutes about stuff of which we know absolutely nothing whatsoever <laughs> nothing changes nope <laughs> have a good christmas what's left of it happy new year let's hope 2021 gets us a vaccine it is just round the corner everybody mm-hmm. we will be able to go and visit people again hopefully very very soon you may want to check your feed there will be another episode devoted to all the emails we received last year bonus for you take care Goodbye. Goodbye.